0: Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hey everybody, my name is Kylie Miller, and thank you again for listening to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop uh, Podcast. Today I'm joined with Dennis Burns and Mr. Arielle Frazier and Dr. Daniel Stevenson. Say hey, everybody.
1: Oh, Hey, <laughs> Hi, Hi y'all?
0: Well, today's topic of discussion is post-harvest weed control, and we have Dr. Daniel Stevenson here, and um, I guess right now we're all getting corn out of the field, and, you know, and I know in my area, we've, we've started cutting a lot of soybeans here. So what do we need to be thinking about um, this time of year as we go into the fall season, and uh, what we need to be thinking about as far as controlling weeds for, for the next year?
2: First thing that we got to start thinking about is what these fields look like where the corn has been harvested. Um, I'm sure there's areas of the state that's already starting to green up with various weeds. A lot of the post-harvest management program is targeted at you know pigweeds, prevent pigweed seed production, but it's just not pigweeds. You know, if you guys think about it. You know, our field green up, maybe brown, broadleaf cinnamon grass, brown top millet, all different kind of grasses, morning glories, because once that sunlight hits that ground, because all the herbicides that we put out for corn are gone.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: sunlight hits the ground with that corn stover gone, and it just explodes. So what our data has shown is that we need to do something at least once a month until we get a killing frost, guys. So let's think of it this way. You finished harvesting your corn last week. All right, before the storm, you got it all out. Thankfully, we missed that storm, but I feel real bad for the folks in the southeast part of the state. So my heart goes out to you guys if you are listening. So you finish up harvesting, you know, you got some green stuff out there, but within the next week, it's fixing to explode. Temperatures are right, got decent moisture. So. I'd like to see you do something, whether that's mow it, whether that's plow it, some sort of tillage, or you can use a herbicide. My one problem with a herbicide now is guys want to jump out there and use a residual herbicide. These soils are so warm right now that something that's labeled for use, whether it be a Viler or a product such as that, or metolachlor, products such as Dual Magnum et al., they're only going to last about two weeks. I just told you we need to do something every month. Now why do we need to do something every month? And that is targeted around Palmer Amaranth. From emergence this time of the year really through October, from emergence till roughly 30 days after that, you will have viable seed on that plant that emerged today. So the whole point is to prevent seed. Well, you may think I don't have pigweeds. Okay. Brown Top Millet is 30 to 45 days. Brawley grass is about 40 days. Um, Many of the other grasses really kind of fit in that time frame. So if you're doing something once a month, let's say you mow your corn over now and then in a month you decide you want to work up your beds. So that puts us into October. Then we start getting into late October and that's when we can go into the next phase of our conversation, which is ryegrass management. So you're preventing seed production. Now Kylie said something at the beginning of this podcast where she said her farmers have started harvesting soybeans. That's the first thing the guys will tell me, I ain't got time to do something with that cornfield. I got to cut beans. But when you don't do something, when you don't manage these wheat pests that we have and we have these perfect growing conditions that, in these fields that are going on right now and really through the next couple of months, all you're doing is increasing that soil seed bank will weed seed. You're just giving yourself more problems next year. Dennis RL, Kylie, opinions? I got a question.
3: OK, on the. OK, if we will go out and we mow our straw of our corn stalks down today. Let's just say we go out or tomorrow when it dries up, we go out and mow it down and we can we come back and spray Roundup and and we got dicamba left from early in the spring. Can we use dicamba?
2: Dicamba, so label labels, um, dicamba labels vary Dennis. There's some gray area in there about post-harvest to whether it's a fallow application. My advice on that is to read the label because if we got into breaking them down, I'd have to pull up the labels on the computer and that would dominate the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest issue, Dennis, with the herbicides this time of the year is are they labeled post harvest and fallow? Okay. And what does fallow mean? Is is a cornfield that's been after it been harvested, is, is that now deemed as fallow? Some well, would argue is yes, some would argue no.
3: Well, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to do anything with it till next spring, I guess for the winter season, it is foul. Yeah,
2: I'll tell you, one of the biggest things that I've seen that's been a positive is uh, using glyphosate. You know, you can mow and let it regrow, or go ahead and catch it now with glyphosate to kill all the grass and stop that production. That's not going to do anything for your pigweeds. Mowing it does a good job. Uh, it's not going to kill a lot of the plants. They're going to regrow, but it will buy you some time. Uh, we, we have to do something with corn stover. You can't jump out there and just start. This is going to disc everything down. Which most guys don't do. It's corn stovers and weed biomass can be so thick that early tillage right now may be quite difficult. And that's where I think mowing fits in. It's fast. You can get across the field, work on it in the morning. Um, when it comes time to cut beans, you stop, pull off, and get after soybeans, or cotton once it comes up, right?
3: okay. So mow it first, okay. and that'll us a little time. Mow okay. it and then spray round up and <clears throat> kill the grass and
2: anything that's susceptible and
3: buy you a little time.
2: Something, do some, a destructive practice, Dennis, and RL and Kylie, at least once a month. Do something. To prevent those weeds from producing seed I don't care where you plow it I don't care where you mow it you can spray it one of the best things the blank seed heads is a Paraquat 2,4-D application Larry Steckle up in Tennessee showed that works really really well but I don't know if I'm gonna be spraying 2,4-D this time of the year broadcast with, with cotton cropper I know there's not a lot of cotton around but still, um, I prefer to use tillage or mowing until we get into the October time of year when the soils are cool, beginning to cool down. That's where residual herbicides will work. And that fits into the next phase of this conversation, which is fall wheat management. It kind of can work itself out to, to get to that point because your goal is to get that first frost. And that's generally occurs what sometime in November?
3: Yeah.
0: Usually, yeah.
3: mid Mid-November, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanksgiving. yeah. Daniel, uh, Dennis kind of jumped in quicker than I could as far as the <laughs> no residual. You know, when you had said that earlier, uh, what do we do between now and then? Great answer. Uh, far as the mowing and the tillage or whatever, uh and Roundup. But uh, I've got some guys I've seen this year that are going in following the combine with a flail mower, mm-hmm. thread and everything. Mm-hmm. And then within a week, they're pulling a disc over it.
2: Okay.
1: And I thought that was, might have been the wrong thing, but what you're saying, that's a pretty good practice. Maybe could have stretched out the disting between the flail mowing. A few another week maybe but sometimes you have to deal with the time you got
2: yeah it sounds to me like well they're, they're just trying to manage that corn stover they get it chopped up fine they get it buried to help it rot Yeah. so that their hipping can go a little bit better later on and that's fine that's perfectly fine um just know that pigweeds are there after that tillage within it could be a day whenever you got pigweeds emerging and then yeah. within a month they're going to make viable C, so we got to come back so that clock after that whether you know if you mow today and, and, and run a disc over it next week RL that's when your one month clock starts in my opinion mm-hmm.
0: we usually disc it here and then try to get a rain on it and then maybe hit it again you know mm-hmm. we we do it multiple times really
2: well, any kind of destructive practice yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about let's talk about what you were talk, getting to just a second ago with um, when we get into that November um, herbicide October. October part of the year. Um, you know, we've got a lot of ryegrass pressure in a lot of fields that have heavy populations. Um, what are you thinking we need to be doing?
2: Ryegrass is um, one of the more troublesome issues that I've ever seen our guys have. Pigweeds, they stink, they're hard to fight, we don't like them, so on and so forth, they're resistant to herbicides, but most times we got a tool to manage them. Ryegrass, if you don't manage it in the fall, the latest winter, which would be January, then you got a mess on your hands, and I want everybody to try to remember Last year, last April, March and April, and I'm sure the three of y'all can remember because I talked to the three of y'all individually about it and what your growers were facing. It was a doggone mess.
3: Mm-hmm, it was.
2: Yep. grass emerges in Louisiana historically. It begins in mid-October to late October and will emerge in a normal year through the middle of December. Then it kind of takes a break and then will begin emergence again in January. The majority, and when I say majority, I'm talking 80% of it approximately emerges in the fall. Funny enough, it mimics Henbit or Henbit mimics it. They have almost identical emergence patterns. So data has shown the Henbit with some of my data, the Mississippi State well, Mississippi had the problem with glyphosate resistant Italian ryegrass you know six eight six years or so before we ever showed up with us and they got a stellar program and what their program says is kind of three phases: fall winter and spring and that's best okay and you're playing with fire when you get if you go into the spring trying to manage that and the way that you manage ryegrass in the fall is with a October so um, you got uh, around Halloween to the middle of November application of a non-selective in this case most likely it's better to use paraquat got a sunny day based off their data with a residual. So if you're going into corn that residual is something like a mctolachlor. If you're going into soybeans, that would be a metolachlor, trifluralin, or a boundary type product, dual metric combination. If you're going into rice, that would be a command. Now, we're working on getting commands um, fall application label here in Louisiana right now. Uh, Dr. Miller and I sent a letter to LDAF requesting that they grant FMC a fall applied application. Mississippi State's data shows that that will keep you clean. The non-selective will kill what's emerged, then the residual will hold. So then you, so if you got your residual out, you got your ryegrass under control. In addition, you're going to have your bit under control and virtually all other, your poa is going to be under control. Virtually all other broadleaves and grasses will be under control with that herbicide application. For ryegrass, Start looking in January for that second flush because the residuals have begun to break. They're not going to last four or five months. They're going to break down after a couple of months. If you see small ryegrass emerging, that's where uh, about a pint of a one pound clethodem works. So eight ounces of a two pound. Catch it when it's small. Hold on, Dennis. That's 30 days prior to playing corn. Go ahead, Dennis.
3: Okay, I'm here in Tinsall. We've already got, well, you've done it. We know we got clethodim-resistant ryegrass. So what's our other...
2: Hmm. Here's the funny thing about that. I'm not doubting that we have it. Mm-hmm. But lots of times, Dennis, when clethodim was applied to ryegrass, mm-hmm. it is already six to eight inches tall, multi-tillered,
3: yeah, and well, right. it's tank
2: mixed with 2,4-D and our other burn down herbicides yeah so we're stacking the deck against clethodim if you read the clethidem labels it actually says no greater than four inch grass gotta have sulfate in it and do not apply to tiller and ryegrass mm-hmm. we are stacking the deck against clethodim as if we and our actions are actually going to encourage clethodim resistant ryegrass
3: mm-hmm.
2: so if you've got a two to three inch ryegrass out there and you spray cletodil and it survives, okay, then we got resistance. I'm betting it's not going to survive because we've got a pint, which is a hit, which is a proper dose, and we're taking it out. Now if we miss it then, if the grower calls you and says, Dennis, I did this and it failed, then we got a different animal to deal with. But our problem is, guys, we are targeting ryegrass at the wrong time with plethenem, which moves us to the spring. If you do nothing and you get multi tiller ryegrass, you're going to have to use Paraquat, two applications of Paraquat, 7 mm-hmm. to 10 to 14 days apart. That's going to kill it. It's just going to make a big old ball of biomass that our that the planters have got to try to plant through so you've got competition from the corn or if you got soybeans out there we've all seen that how reduced stands so I have no other way to put it than bluntly but if you don't do something in the fall you're just going to repeat what the heck you've been doing for the past couple of years with ryegrass
3: yeah well it was it was
2: bad last year uh-huh. So, here's the next complaint I hear, Dennis, and Ariel and Kylie. I don't want my beds to erode. I'm worried about erosion. That's where cover crops fit in.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was going to be our follow-up was, you've you cleaned all our beds up, now we're going to keep <laughs> them from washing away. Yep, cover crops. But, go ahead, Ariel. I see you don't want to- Really?
1: Um, I was, yeah, cover crops, we've been trying to promote that for several years. We know the advantages of it for us to retaining your beds, uh, you know, just all-around improvements, you know. It even makes them a, a lot mellower soil to go back into once you get into it. Uh, and then, you know, then you get into... When do I terminate my cover crops? You know, if you listen to the entomologists, you got to do it in January. By the time they really get to going good, then if you listen to some of the guys that's been doing some of this planting green, they are saying they're not seeing any insect problems. But what they you got to listen to what they're telling you. You got to do this two or three years, or have two or three consecutive years of cover crop to build the beneficials to help break down that insects you know, or to the, let the beneficials take care of the predators or the, the harmful insects so that you don't have to fight the green bridge. Because uh, it never made sense to me to plant a cover crop in the fall and then kill it just by the time it got started growing good. So it's a big debate going on on the green bridge still.
2: Sure, sure, yeah, and I'd like to. I can I can add something to that uh, RL. Um, I, I will point out we, we stand in the fall on rye uh, ryegrass control. What a cereal grain. My preference is cereal rye. Why? Because for some reason we're struggling to kill wheat as a yeah, burn down, yeah. particularly when it's pasture wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm struggling to figure out why you know so and I'm still working on that I'm not going to give up to try to figure it out um, I know using grain wheat I have a, just applied a, a 1x rate of glyphosate December 15th January 1, January 10, January 20, January 30 and February 15th and every time I put it out I kill it graveyard dead. But growers can't kill or fail to properly kill pasture wheat, so I'm going to plant some pasture wheat this fall and see if I can kill it, see what's going on. But I know cereal rye is relatively easy to kill. To me, it provides better biomass. It's just a better overall cover crop in my humble opinion. What that does is it gives you physical competition with any ryegrass. Then we have data that shows two weeks after emergence of your cover. It could be wheat, it could be rye, it could be Austrian winter pea, it could be um, crimson clover. An application of something like Zidua or a dual magnum into that standing cover crop two weeks after emergence will offer you residual barrier on that naked area between the two rows. So if you're planting 7 to 8 inch rows, you got that little bit of area right there where ryegrass can emerge. You lay some residual herbicide down to prevent that. You're not going to hurt the crop. And notice I didn't say lead off. I didn't say Bayer. I said Zidua or something like Dual. Now, Zidua will hurt tend- tillage radish. I've seen that post emergence. It's not pretty. So if you've got radish lean more toward a tolypor type product. So that's one of the ways, in my opinion, you can use cover crops. Yes, sir. I got, okay, James Hendricks is,
3: of course, doing a bunch of work with cover crops mm-hmm. as far as growing them in production. And James, he's wanting, like, to plant the corn right now. I'm like, go ahead and get it planted now, your cover crop now. You know, because he wants fall growth, especially on something, legumes, that he's looking for nitrogen in the spring. So how does that deal with your timeline? Because you said if we put dual out
2: now, we only get two weeks. I wouldn't put it out now. If I was James, um, I'd plant the cover now. You're going to get into biomass. It's only August 31st that you won't have ryegrass emerge through that kind of biomass. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Well, that's and see that one, that's great because he if he plants now, I mean he's gonna kill everything out there. He's gonna kill all the green stuff out there anyway. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna kill it. Plant is it. Is he
0: is he doing any type of tillage either, or is he doing the strike? Uh,
3: some of it is broadcast and it'd be minimum till. Away. Okay. Very just enough to. uh He's not gonna disk it or anything. He's just gonna be like a rolling cultivator, just enough to seed the soil contact.
2: Okay. Now. I tend to lean, if I'm planting corn based off what I've seen, um, I'm, I'm going to kill it first of January. Mainly because guys have planted pasture wheat and got burned, not been able to kill that mm-hmm. wheat for the plant of corn. And then that wheat cover can be just as dangerous to a corn crop as ryegrass can from a competition standpoint. So I know Ariel mentioned why you want to kill it the first of January from getting my cash crop established, I'm going to lean that way. Planting green, as he pointed out, I've had too many entomologists tell me that that's not smart to do, but I can see exactly what RL's saying as what officials to build up and do it multiple years. You know, I'm not an entomologist, so. Well, you have to plan
3: your cover. If you don't plant corn, you don't want to plant still rye or wheat anyway. You mm-hmm. want to plant a legume or something else. So.
1: But it's it's a I think Dennis hit on something there. It's not a it's not a blanket formula or a blanket cover crop that fits all scenarios. I think you need to match your cover crop to your intended intended spring planting. You know, you would go with one for corn, a different cover crop scheme for beans maybe that would last longer different easier to handle termination or whatever
2: i I will point out that i do i've never been a big fan of using something like crimson clover or any of the clovers
0: Mm.
2: for for weed management because you just don't get the growth you need Mm. The, the, the cereals really you, you can't you can get the growth on those to act as I mean I almost think of it as pine straw mm-hmm. flower bed you know just a suppression of weeds from a growth standpoint.
3: Well that's one that's one reason James is pushing to plant them now behind this corn as soon as well just as soon as the crop comes out to get that fall growth to act as help to help with weeds.
2: Yep. So, for ryegrass grass management, um, it's going to take a fall application to true the management. You can ring your field. If it's just around the turn rows and the edge of your field, That's in, you, it's not out in your field, but you have it around the edge. You can ring your field with a residual herbicide to, um, to help control it. I've seen many pictures out of Mississippi where guys did that. That works. If mm-hmm. you're concerned about erosion, Use a cover crop, and then you can know, get James on the podcast, and he can tell you all the benefits from an agronomic standpoint of cover crops. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it's a you're trying to balance you're trying to balance everything. You know what you're saying. You know weeds, ryegrass, because we've all seen what ryegrass does in the field. Yeah. And we saw, or I did here. We saw more mare's tail
2: this year than we've ever seen.
0: Yes, yes, that was a really big issue for some people around here.
2: One of the best things they do to manage mare, mare's tail typically was a winter annual. Mm-hmm. So historically, it would begin to emerge in you know October, November, just just copying ryegrass and kind of emerge on. Um, it's really becoming an all year round emerging now, but. In the spring, whenever growers, and I have witnessed a, a, a failure, maybe not a failure is the right word, not not as not the desired control. You dig that mare's tail up and that doggone root is three times the length in the dirt as it is tall.
0: And it'll come back.
2: <laughs> so that really affects, you're exactly right, Kylie, that, it, that greatly affects the systemic action of a lot of herbicides to control it. So if you know you've got a marathon problem in the area, a December application, a Thanksgiving to early December application of an auxin type material, 24D Dicamba, will take that out. It's gone. You can use that in your cereals as a cover crop. You know, if you got clover, obviously you can't. Um, radish obviously you wouldn't. Um, but if you're just running a, a wheat or rye or triticale or black oat or something like that, that is a good option for you to manage that pest.
3: Okay, what residual controls
2: it? Actually it's small seeded broadleaf, so lots of things will control it. Metolachlor will get it and things like that. It'll suppress its growth. Um, any of the ALS inhibitors from a residual standpoint would catch it and I'm kind of moving into the spring now if you can get out there and get it controlled but everything that I'm seeing then is typically most of it emerges in the fall you see a little bit coming up in the spring
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know that, that place that you and I went to up there near, um, near Newton.
0: Mm-hmm. and that was
2: a lot of that was fall emerged stuff.
3: So if, if we put
2: do you, our ryegrine or
3: duel or whatever goes out there put out for our ryegrass, we get benefit
2: you uh, will get some suppression maybe not kill but you'll get some suppression of that past yes
3: okay so we're not having to make two different applications what i'm getting at
2: no nope. but that darn she be looking forward if you know you got a mare's tail problem
3: mm, we have a mare's tail problem
2: i want you out there out there scouting your fields um particularly where you're going to put in corn or milo looking for um ryegrass in the in january check it out looking
3: okay sounds good
0: well guys i think that pretty much wraps us up i think we've talked about a lot of good stuff today um dr daniel Simpson, we appreciate you joining us today and we're so glad to have you on here um before we close um everybody listening we've got some He's our peanut, you, are you our peanut specialist or was it Dr. Padgett?
2: Boyd is the specialist. I'm, I just, I'm the weed scientist. I grew up on a peanut farm, but Boyd is um, our specialist.
0: All right. Well, we, uh, we've we got some, some good peanut material coming out here in the next couple of weeks. If you all are interested in that, um, get with us, watch our stuff. We'll, we'll be having that coming out pretty soon. Um, but anyway, I'll go ahead and close. Thank you all for listening and uh, join us next time.
3: Nice thanks,
0: thank you, Daniel. All right, thanks, Daniel. All right, bye-bye. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the com or contact your local extension office.